Amen. I want to begin by correcting something that is prevalent in the body of Christ today, where people are worshiping, singing, and some others are just like this. They're just... You know, there's a difference between you want to or you are part of what is happening, but you are tired. So... If you are that way, even in your seated position, you express yourself. Do you understand? You raise your hands. You try to sing. You don't know the, even if you don't know the song, you just try to follow. When you don't respond in worship or in praise to God, it's more than just not being interested. It says a lot. Are you with me? You know the anchor scripture with which we began this month's teaching series? Matthew 13 from verse 44. Matthew 13 verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy. Don't miss that one. Are you seeing that? And for joy. Meaning, the response we have towards God in the things of the kingdom is not out of pain or compulsion. There is a joy that must follow our response to the word of God, to the things of God. Are you with me? You can't have love without joy. If you love something it must be associated with a joy towards that thing. So, for instance, I, I, I can't use the word love so that you don't misunderstand me. I like shawarma. Are you with me? No matter what's going on, even if your shawarma cannot solve the problem, when you bring it, I'm like, mm, my God. Hey! Are you with me? Even if I have a challenge going around me, I will rejoice at it first, then go back. <laughs> Are you with me? Now, I don't love shawarma. I like it. How much more God that I love? An example, I love my wife. So, I can be praying in tongues in the service, but as she walks in, I'll look and smile. But, oh, thank you, Jesus. And go back to are you with me? Now we are talking about the one who has saved you eternally. It's either you don't understand what he is, who he is, or you don't just like him. That's how God sees it. So when we are worshipping him, it's not just that we want to shout and, and act excited. No. This is God we are dealing with here. At least you don't know the song. You just bless him. And if your heart is open, even when you don't know the song, he will participate with you. I cannot forget one meeting where Bola Are, great Yoruba music minister. She has been singing for about 40 years, by the way. I was in a meeting and she was singing. And 
I, I can't forget how she sang with so much passion, something me more, something, something like that. But the worship touched me so much, I cried and cried. Somebody now asked me, do you understand Yoruba? I said, I don't understand. But I know that that woman was worshiping God and it was touching me. I think it was Bishop Yedipo's 60th birthday. And I was in that meeting. Open yourself to God. If you will be, I've taught this thing here again and again. But I want to sound it again. Because it grieves the Holy Spirit. If you become anything big in the things of God, you will learn how to respond. After the story of Elizabeth and Mary, Mary just had an encounter with an angel saying that you have a child. And the angel said, to prove this to you, go and see your cousin, Elizabeth. She's carrying a child. She had been six months pregnant before you had this encounter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Mary goes to the house of Elizabeth and knocks and tries to greet. Or what King James say, salutation. The Bible says, immediately, the baby in the womb of Elizabeth heard the voice of Mary. The baby kicked. And Elizabeth was full of the spirit and she now prophesied. And she said, ah, why didn't you tell me that the mother of my Lord was coming? That means, let's read it. Luke 1 verse 41. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Verse 42. And she spake out the loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to be that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So, Elizabeth had not been told that Mary was going to carry the baby Jesus, right? But by that encounter, she became full of the Spirit and prophesied it. What does that mean? Now, imagine the baby, or Elizabeth heard the, the voice of the salutation of Mary and the baby refused to kick. Perhaps Elizabeth will not be full of the Spirit. You see that response? So we are in service and somebody is teaching and yet something that touches you. Somebody else goes, hmm. That, hmm, something has happened in the spirit. And that person, hmm, must I, must I, must I overdo it? Must I show them that? Hmm, the pastor, they try, they try. <laughs> you try, you try. When you're worshiping, somebody is like, hey, hey, God. And that person is like, <laughs> when you finish, I better come preach me, go. No. We are dealing with God here. It's the same you that you've asked in our scores. You'll be shouting, Goal! <laughs> and souls are perishing. <laughs> Canal things. If you get a new canal, hey, hey, you want to, there's an excitement, then God. The thing is, what is your perception of the things of God? The Bible says, he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Meaning, you must believe, you must know that you are dealing with God here. And that's what differentiates us. Somebody else has that same encounter and takes it serious. Ah, this is God. And that person, eh, is that small boy singing. No. 
if you don't understand anything about consecration, you must understand that consecration is saying, I value God. Are you with me? I value the things of God. I value Christ. I value his sacrifice for me. It is worth it. His sacrifice and his labor for me is worth everything in the world and more. Praise the Lord. I value my relationship with God more than any other thing. There are some relationships you will have. You will like, ah, no, this guy is, is in a contact. Christmas, you try to call him. Every month, you try to send a message and keep a call. At least put a call through so that both of you are in touch. Are you with me? Because you now this kind of person, this, this connection I have to this person is important. Are you with me? Wise business people know that when they have customers who are always patronizing them, once in a while they will send them text message. How is everything? How are you doing? To keep in touch. Because they know this person is a potential customer. At least he has bought things from me before. He has made me know that ah, there is a prospect that he can do greater next time. Are you with me? How much more God? What is your relationship with God like? Let me tell you, your response in worship shows how your relationship with God is. Are you with me? The reason I'm coming from this angle is because it's in line with what I'm going to talk about today. Praise the Lord. So radical devotion... Radical devotion, if you don't understand anything about it, it's called value. Say after me, value. Say after me, value. Hallelujah. Now, the question is, if radical devotion is value, right? It means we cannot really talk about radical devotion or consecration to God without talking about an intimate relationship with God or an intimate personal work with God. Go back to that Matthew 13 verse 44 we just read. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man and like unto treasure hidden in a field, the which when a man find it. Let's read that verse together. Matthew 13 verse 44. It's a lie. One, two, three, go. Which when a man had found, he had it, and for joy, go ahead, and said all that he had and buy that field. My emphasis here now is not for joy, is he hide it. Are you with me? <laughs> you know, the Bible is an interesting book. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man had found, he hide it. Meaning it's a personal thing. It must, so, it must be something that must touch you personally. Are you with me? It's not something that you got out of the mob. It's a personal thing. He hid it and for joy. So that word hide it already tells you that it's personal. It's first of all personal. Before we see any action on the open, there is something happening in the, in the inside. Serve me the secret place. 
You know, those days, the, when you want to get born again, they'll ask you, do you take Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? Your personal Lord and Savior. What's the theme of today's teaching? The sacred place. The sacred place. Kai, listen, if you have a grasp of what I want to teach today, eh, I can tell you 25% of consecration has been sorted out. If you know how valuable an intentional personal work with God is, can I tell you something? The church, the ministry of the church is to school you in your personal work with God. My job is to train you for that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Open to Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5. Matthew 6 from verse 5. It says, When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So the problem with these hypocrites is not that they are praying, but they are praying for the major reason to be seen of men, right? Sometimes you will pray and your prayer will be seen openly. But if you are not praying to be seen of men or glorified of men, then you are not part of these guys. Are you with me? I know it's a little bit tricky. You know God sees your motive before your motion. So we can be in service. Somebody is, oh God, and he's trying to build a work with God or a relationship with God. Somebody else is, man, they go see me today. I'll be machine. <laughs> Say we come to prayer. No, no, try me. I'll be machine. No, you put. I know you are not used to all those stuff. Those those of us are growing prayer band. You see some guys when you are praying, they are praying in, in, in the prayer band. Then got so many. You just see some guys at the back. They are not praying. They are just like this. Labaraba shakata. When you say, Ah, guy, how are you doing? I say, Don't worry. When I man that podium, here goes scatter. Don't worry. Just watch. When when I hold that mic, fire go full everywhere. So. When other people are leading prayers, they are, they are somewhere at the back. They are not serious. They are not praying well. Just sometimes they even like this. I mean, the spirits. Once they climb, once they give them the mic, hey! Wait, see, I belong in this thing, so I know. <laughs> they will pray, pray, raise leg like this. When they finish, they say, there was fire everywhere. We scatter that place. We set it on fire. Jesus said, you are hypocrites. You are praying to be seen of men. Are you with me? But there are some others that they are praying fervently because they just want to know the Lord. Now that doesn't mean you come to church and be praying quietly because you are not praying to be seen of men. We have seen you already. When we pray in church, we, pray, we all pray fervently because as we pray together, we provoke one another unto good works. Amen. Amen. We are not competing. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He says they have their reward. The reward is that people have seen you, right? That's your reward. Thank you. God bless you. 
But see verse 6. Verse 6. It says, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. Hi. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Hallelujah. He says, pray to thy father which is in secret. That's what got me. He says, thy father which is in secret. That means, there is a relationship with God you cannot have if you don't pay attention to the secret place. There is a depth with God you cannot, a fortitude with God you cannot have. If we don't pay attention to the secret place. Hallelujah. He says, your father which is in secret. Before I even said, your father which is in secret. What touched me there? Your father which is in secret. So, God is waiting for me. There is an encounter with God. There is a depth with God waiting for me in secret. When there's nobody around me to judge me how I'm praying. I'm just there with God. Please, can we put off this, this fan? This scripture, I was would, I would just thinking, meditating on it today. My father which is in secrets. Say after me, my father which is in secrets. And memories were just going through my mind. Memories were going through my mind. Let me tell you. This is how to know God. Hmm. Praise the Lord. So what do we really mean by the secret place? It's a place of spiritual intimacy. And fellowship with God. That is secluded from what every other person can see. It's a place of spiritual intimacy and fellowship with God that is separated or secluded from what the world or what people around you can see. My secret place. You see, there is something about God and this thing called secret place. For the Bible to say, for Jesus to say, your father which is in secret, God likes intimacy with us one-on-one. -on -one. And if you check the Bible, you know, when you study the Bible, there's what is called prescriptive theology and descriptive theology. What do we mean by prescriptive? Prescriptive is what the Bible says you should do. Are you with me? What the Bible instructs. But descriptive is what the Bible talks about, what the Bible describes. So, for instance, you don't particularly see anywhere where the Bible says polygamy is a sin. Are you following me? 
David had many wives. Before he took Abigail, he had two, three wives thereabouts. Are you with me? Abraham had Sarah, then later he had Keturah. But when you come to the New Testament, Jesus, the living word, comes and says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife. He didn't say, he shall cleave unto his wives. <laughs> Are you with me? And they shall become what? One flesh. So, from that statement, you can see that even though God allowed it to pass in the Old Testament, that's not really the way it is. Are you with me? You also see Adam and Eve. He did not make Adam and three women. He made one man, one woman. From that demeanor, you can see that God is not the advocate of polygamous families. So for the fact men out of their greed and lust and whatever, they had many and even served God, does not mean that's how he wanted it to be. Are you with me? The Bible says, the times of ignorance the Lord had winked at, but now we commanded every man everywhere unto repentance. So, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that you can look at the Bible and see the way God looks at certain things. For instance, there's been this argument, age-long argument, does God call drinking a sin? Does God, God smoking a sin? There's nowhere in the Bible that's written that smoking is a sin. There's nowhere that's written in the Bible that's drinking is a sin. Just look at the Bible. Look at the scriptures that talk about it and see the way, it, the way God reacted to it. Out of the 74 scriptures that talk about wine, only two are good. <laughs> all of them, all of them, the wine is a mocker, strongly raging. He that is thereby is not wise. Give wine to him who wants to perish. Oh, Solomon, oh, King Lumwell, it's not for kings to drink wine. Say, is he a colleague wine? Just know, read the context. You know if he's a colleague wine or not. He told you that it will pervert their reasoning, it will turn their head. The one that turns your head is the one that says you should not drink. If he's not turning your head, drink. Are you with me? So, you see the demeanor, the way he talks about this thing, you know that? Mm. Same thing too, on the idea of praying in secret and intimate work with God. Look at the way the Bible talks about it. For instance, Genesis chapter 3, from verse 7 to 8, you see him talking about Adam. Adam had sinned. They are just eating of the forbidden fruit and they be, become naked. And the Bible says, and God, they heard the voice of God coming in the cool of the day. You know, it's an interesting part of the Bible. How can you hear the voice of God walking in the garden? I thought you would say they heard the, the feet of God. Or they heard the sound of the feet of the Lord walking in the garden. No, the Bible says they heard the voice of God. Walking in the garden. So that means they were used to the voice of God. They knew when God was coming around. Are you with me? In the cool of the day, another man's wife hid themselves. Maybe before that time, paradventure, that gives us an idea that paradventure, before this time, when he comes, they will show up and have some sort of discussion with him. Some sort of, something was going on between them. Are you with me? Have you ever thought about it? God would tell Adam, name the animals. He was not, well, he did train Adam to name it. At what point was he sure that Adam would name it what he wanted to call it? So, there are verses like this that help you see that 
After, you know, people think the Bible is, when you see chapter 1, is the one. Chapter 2. Chapter 1 can be 300 years. Summarized. Chapter 2 can be 50 years. What do you think? Have you ever thought about how did Adam name the whales? How did he name those bears that were flying? See, something was going on between God and that guy called Adam. There was a, a fellowship and intimacy that Adam had been gotten acclimatized to. He had been gotten used, gotten used to. Now when he heard the voice of God, oh, master is coming again. But now we've, we've goofed. And let me tell you, every child of God that has walked with God knows when the voice of God is coming. Many of you know what I'm talking about. Even people who are not even so deep in their salvation, but if you are genuinely saved, there will be a time where you are just feeling like, I should just go somewhere and pray. I should just open the Bible and just read it. I should just listen to a song and just pray along with the song. And when you do it, it's as if you feel calm. That's the Holy Spirit trying to draw you into what we call the secret place. Praise the Lord. You will see Genesis chapter 5. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. You know, that verse of the Bible always disturbed me. How can a man, how was he walking with God? No Bible. No <laughs> pastor. No church. But Enoch walked with God. Now it means God was so desperate to walk with men that he did not wait. Oh my, you didn't get what I just said. He did not wait to have perfected the redemptive work. Anybody that was willing, oh, I'm ready. So number one, I can say God wants to be intimate with man. Can I tell you something? This is the dream of God. To walk with us intimately and personally. Secondly, when you get born again, you are born into the place of intimacy. Let me tell you, you are born into the secret place. Glory. Tell me, when I got born again, I was born into the secret place. I'll show you three verses to prove it. Number one, John chapter 10, verse 9. Everybody read John chapter 10, verse 9. John. Read it again. Look at that. He called himself the door. That means nobody enters into the kingdom without, without a personal encounter with him. Ah. You know, <laughs> I usually say this, that in Nigeria, our president's name is who? Buari. <laughs> we know our president, but there are many of us that our president does not know. 
I know him, but he does not know David or Generubo. Are you with me? In this country, at least for now, he's our king, right? In this kingdom, he's our king. We know him, but he does not know me. He does not know you. But in the kingdom of God, the king knows everybody personally. <laughs> it is so serious that he made himself the door. That for you to enter the kingdom, you must meet him, the king, personally. So you cannot claim to be in the kingdom without a secret place with him. Praise the Lord. Second scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 9. It says, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. Say after me, God is faithful. Who has called me to fellowship. So our call in Christ is first of all to fellowship. We have been called unto the fellowship of his son. Tell me, I've been called on to fellowship. Ah. If you understand this thing, that's when Christianity, the adventure of Christianity has started. Praise the Lord. Final verse to prove that John chapter 14. John 14. From verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandment. And I will pray the Father. And I will pray the Father, I mean, I will pray to the Father that he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because they see him, not that I know him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, Jesus was doing this teaching before he died, was buried and resurrected. Now he has finished all that. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell with us. The Holy Spirit is in us. Hallelujah. It says, yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Verse 20. At that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. That's, <laughs> what is this day? At that day is the day of redemption, and we are living in the day of redemption. Are you with me? He says, at that day, ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, Jesus is in God. We are in Jesus, right? But it doesn't stop there. <laughs> he says, at that day, ye shall know that I am, in my father, I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. What kind of closeness is this? Somebody said Intimacy. That means even if you get married, God is closer to you than your husband or your wife. <laughs> because you and your wife are one, but you're not in your wife. <laughs> Sometimes I've been called to intimacy. Praise the Lord. I want to just pray one minute before we go on. Can 
Lord, this will not just be a sermon, but it will be a revival in somebody's personal work with you. It will not just be a sermon, but their spiritual life will take a new turn. It will be ignited today. In the name of Jesus. Let the distractions of our world, let the distractions of social media, let the distractions of running helter skelter give way for a vibrant, robust walk with you. In the name of Jesus. So quickly, what do we do in the secret place? Number one, we pray. Like I've shown you, Matthew chapter 6, from verse 5 to 6, we pray. It says, when thou prayest, so you can write Matthew 6, verse 6, when thou prayest, go to the closet. Go to the closet. Here I stand before the God of all the earth, just to pray, just to pray. Some of you wonder why I like this song so much. It was the songs that used to start kickstart my work with God. Like you know, prayer is not just for my needs. No, you pray because first and foremost, you pray to be intimate with God. I cannot forget a sermon I listened to years ago. It says, "Knowing Christ through persevering prayer." Hey, the man of God talked about how he will kneel down and. He will stay there and be praying. And when he was talking, I remembered myself a lot. Because that time, it was easy to pray. I just know God. I was not praying for ministry. People's problems, we know plenty. Now, when I'm praying, hey, I can't pray without mentioning at least five to six names. Because the devil is hardworking, but God passed him. Then you're just praying. Sometimes when I see some of you pray, I'm touched. I say, Kai, God, I wish I can be like this that time. Take me back there. But now I have to do all of them together. Amen. You pray, first of all, to know the Lord. You pray. I want to know you. I want to see your face. Of course, we have, his face has been revealed to us in Christ. Are you with me? But when we, are, when we are praying like that, we are saying, I want to know you more. I want to know you, Lord. So number two, after praying, we take in the word of God. Remember Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it came to pass as the winds that he entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was encumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does thou not care that my sister hath left me alone? Bid her therefore to come and serve, help me. So you know the story. Jesus came to visit Mary and Martha. And while he was in the visit, 
Martha went to ensure that Jesus had refreshment, food, biscuits, juice, rice, and everything. And while she was busy with the whole thing, it just dawned on her. Boom. Uh-uh. You're the only one here. Where is Mary? She went and saw Mary lazily sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to gossip. <laughs> Don't mind me. Obviously, it cannot be gossip because the word of God. Praise the Lord. And she had a sister called Mary, which sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. <laughs> but mother was cumbered about, and she was like, ah, tell her to come and help me, Joe. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Matter, matter, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. Hey! Kaporia takapa. One thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, look at this. Just imagine, just imagine. Mary was listening to the word of God, right? Or the word of Christ, right? And Martha was busy about trying to get food stuff and all that for Jesus. And Jesus is saying that Mary's paying attention to his teaching is more important than Martha who is trying to serve him. Now, oh God. If you know what's in my head, God, I receive what to say it. Jesus is saying that somebody paying attention to him and his word in the secret place is more important than someone who was trying to make food for him. How much more you that your own is not even, you are not trying to make anything for him. That thing you are doing is still distracting you from him. Who is worse? <laughs> that means when it is your phone that is standing against you and your work with God, you are a, you are a bigger sinner than Martha who was trying to serve Christ. Eh? Yes, God said that that thing he was doing, no rich. <laughs> I know everyone is quiet. But let me tell you, if you don't have an intimate work with God, hey, I, I wish, Holy Spirit, anywhere we stop today, I'll continue tomorrow's all night. If you don't have an intimate talk with God, you may be born again, but you have a difficulty being a Christian. Does that, does that sound contradictory? I've thought it here before, right? To be born again means to you have faith in Jesus Christ for the salvation, for salvation of your soul and forgiveness of your sins, and you, are born, you have been saved. But to be a Christian is that you have worked with God to the point where your work with God has grown and has become evident for other people to see. So, like we see in the early church, the people who, are, who were called Christians, they have been following Christ since so. But it was in the city of Antioch, people now looked at them and said, ah, people are acting like that man that died and rose again. You are Christians. So there are many people who believe in Jesus Christ. Eh? But when you look at their life, you see contradictions. Have you not been in places like that? You will see people like, ah, this one is a, I know say, ah, I've seen him in church. I've seen him committed to God, but his life, ah. Most of the time, the problem is they don't have a secret place. They 
They're just carried about. See, if you lack a secret place, anything you see working openly, there is something making it work inside. That your car is starting, there is ignition firing, there is an engine inside. Are you with me? Imagine driving a car without fuel. That's what it is. Imagine living the Christian life without the secret place. Jesus is saying that one thing is needful. Hey! So when I open the Bible and listen to the word of God, when I play a sermon and listen to the message, it is more important eh, than me even eating normal food. When we teach here and you go back and listen. So what do we do in the secret place? Number one, we do what? We pray. Number two, we pay attention to the word of God. Number three, we worship. We worship. You see Acts chapter 13 verse 2. Acts 13 verse 2. He said, as they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, my emphasis there is that, is that phrase, as they ministered to the Lord. Oh, you think you're the only one that did ministering? God did ministering too. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, as they came to just sing, we are here for you. Come and do what you do. That's what we are coming to do tomorrow. The theme of tomorrow's program is gaze. We came to just gaze. May we never lose our wonder. Wide-eyed, mystified. May we be just like a child. Staring at the beauty of our king. The Bible says they looked unto him. And their faces were enlightened. And they were not ashamed. They looked unto him. Let me tell you. My wife knows me very well. Before getting married to me, I like privacy. Hey! I like to be alone. But now, it's almost an impossibility. For me to be alone, hey, I need to plan a special retreat. Travel. Because even if I want to be alone, when I hear the cry of my baby, ah, she will... I think what I'm doing now, she joins me in the prayer. And most times I've noticed if I'm praying in tongues and I carry her, she will sleep off. So that she can soak inside properly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, this is where ministry is born. Look, like we see in Acts 13, verse 2. As the minister unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work wherein to have called them. Like I've told you, I knew God had called me to start this ministry since December 2016. But we did not start until after one year of all-night prayer every day. The whole 2018, every night, we're ministering to the Lord. Ministry. 
Praise the Lord. Father, we give you praise. Finally, in the secret place, we meditate. We'll talk about it tomorrow. I want to rush into the special blessings of the secret place. Number one, because of time, I'll just deal with one. Tomorrow, we'll continue the others. The special blessings of the secret place. The freshness of the Spirit. It's after me, freshness. You know, when we look at people, we think freshness is fre- fine haircut, <laughs> bling bling shoes. Say, guy, that guy is fresh. <laughs> then you will not snap picture and do like this. The real freshness is in the spirit. Freshness in the spirit. Revelation chapter 3 from verse 1. We'll look at that verse and we'll just take a like five, six minutes to just refresh. It says, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things saith he that had the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast the name that thou livest and are dead. Hey, hey, hey. He's saying, Everybody knows you that you are living. You are, you've had a name, but actually, in the current state of things, you are dead. That means there was once upon a time when they were alive. Their work with God was so vibrant that everybody said, Chai, that guy, that guy is on fire. And the glory or the name of his being on fire has gone round. Everybody sees him as somebody who is there. But currently, you say he's dead. That means... If you are going to be in step with God, there is such a discipline by, that, that tells you, I have to be fresh with God. Are you with me? People who cook, I usually hear the terminology, fresh tomatoes. When you cook fresh tomatoes to you, the taste is different from when it is tomato that has stayed for a while. Then you now add in tomato on top. <laughs> but when you cook fresh tomato stew, when you see, this is the burden of ministry. It takes, see, it is hard work to remain fresh in ministry. Because week in, week out, you are just you are feeding. That's why God will prepare you first. Take some years so that your, your tank will be full enough <laughs> to keep blessing. So that by the time you have gone to refresh, they will not know. So just be like, ah, every service, power. Every service, the word is coming. Every service, I'm feeling it. <laughs> For it to be like that. Because what is really blessing is not, what, it's not just what I'm saying. There is an energy of the spirit behind it that will encrypt it as conviction in your heart. The freshness of the spirit. People who are close to me, they know. Every small time, Rokeshi kapala kaporekete rukapala kashi karakata isarapata debakosha. Why? Because it must be fresh in my inside. Read verse 2. Revelation 3 verse 2. He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. 
for I have not found that works perfect before God. God is talking to a church. Listen, just as it happens to individuals, it happens to churches. Why do you think every now and then we are doing prayer? Because we need to remain alive. Ah. Check our schedule very well. We are always arranging either one, one night prayer, worship. Many of you have noticed. How many of you noticed that that time we did Avalanche of Miracles? Uh, where we were worshiping and praying for three days. Those of you that did the first day, second day, didn't you feel like something just... On the third day, some of you felt like something... A waste just left you. What you don't realize is that if you don't pray and worship like that, you may be gathering dust. Spiritual lethargy. Things are just. Tell me freshness. I, I can teach you on that as a sermon alone. One of the ways to deal with, to deal with that Stillness spiritually is to have prolonged times. Prolonged. That's what I'm doing. We are doing gaze immediately after the service tomorrow. It's intentional. Prolonged times of worship. Prolonged times of prayer. Just like charging a battery at the point to not tell you fully charged, fully charged. It has refreshed. And that secret of freshness is evangelism. 